It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 12th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about Jonathan Isaac's performance in the blue-white scrimmage as his time with Team USA comes to an end. We'll talk a little bit about what we saw from him as... He's a player that I think a lot of people have very high expectations for. We'll check in on his progress this offseason there. And then we're going to talk about some of the other players playing in international for their for their national teams as they get ready for the World Cup. Canada and Nigeria played a pair of games against each other. We'll learn what we can from the box scores of those games. And of course, uh, if you want to learn, learn more about the FIBA World Cup and, and some of the other issues we talked about there, we talked about Evan Fournier on Friday's episode of Locked on Magic. You can go back into the archives and check that out wherever you download podcasts. The NBA schedule also due out today on Monday, August 12th. We'll talk about the schedule on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. So definitely, 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 definitely download the podcast today. Subscribe to the podcast I mean, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Isn't news fun? In addition to that, you can check out the other great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown NBA, where I talked with Josh Lloyd about the Markel Fultz-Zapruder film that came out last week. Uh, you can also hear my comments on that, of course, in the archives here on Lockdown Magic. The Lockdown Podcast Network, of course, is the best, best place to go. To get all your team needs, just like there's a, te- there's a podcast coming to Orlando Magic with excruciating detail. There's a podcast for every single team in the NBA covering their teams with local experts who know their teams best. It is the best way to stay up to date and apprised of everything that is going on with your favorite team or just teams that you happen to be interested in that day. You can check out all these great podcasts, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, wherever you download podcasts to your podcast. And you have a listening device. Uh, I would definitely tell you also to pay special close attention. It is fantasy football season. Fantasy drafts are happening already. And Locked On Fantasy Football has you covered. Make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with more than 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same as everyone else. They have all the same information. You're not going to get the edge you need to win your fantasy football league. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football is your is the podcast that you need to stay on top of your fantasy, fo- fantasy football needs as the fantasy football season comes on and is one of many podcasts that fit the specific need that you have, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, or colleges too. The Locked On Podcast Network, it is your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Team USA broke the first week of their training camp ahead of the World Cup at the end of the month with their annual blue-white scrimmage. Uh, It usually tends to turn into an exhibitionish style game. In the past, they've kind of split the teams up evenly and really didn't try to get too much serious out of it. It was just kind of a, uh, uh, again, uh, kind of a relaxing end-of-the-week thing because you have an intense training camp, and, and those practices are really what matters more than this game. Uh, but it is a kind of public viewing of Team USA, and since Team USA is usually sometimes an all-star team, they play it, or they, they set it up like it is an all-star game. That was not the case this year, and honestly, uh, that is kind of the first sign that, you know, not that there's trouble, but that that this this USA team is still working to come together a little bit, that there's maybe not as much confidence or surety that they are going to romp and win this gold medal in the World Cup. It's, you know, just kind of a sign that, yeah, there's this group still has to work together and actually is kind of a team with weaknesses rather than a kind of full-out all-star team or, or surefire all-star team. Or maybe I'm reading into all of it too much, but in any case... Team USA's national team took on the USA Select team, which of course is the young players. And yeah, the the national team took away some of Team USA's of the Select team's better players. Uh, Darren Fox was called up to the to the regular team. Joe Harris, I believe, was also called up to the regular team. And Trey Young actually went home with an injury. So already the Select team was on thin footing. And give the Select team credit; they they bothered Team USA throughout the practice of the the. The broadcasters even said that the select team played a lot better uh, and really held their own against the national team more in the practices than they did in this exhibition game. And again, I think some of that is just the roster moves that were made to that did weaken the select team, no doubt about that. Um, but uh, I think on top of that as well, uh, you could see that the select team did give the national team some problems, especially early on. But once the national team put on the screws defensively and you know, started moving the ball, started getting the ball up and down a little bit more. They, they hit their threes really well. Uh, it was it was clear that the national team was the better team, and, and the select team just didn't have a ton of scoring punch, I would say. And, and that's that's okay. It's not the end of the world. That's not what this game is really about. I didn't get the chance to really watch this team from the national team perspective. My only thoughts were, you know, just just from what I was kind of watching cursorily, because I, I was watching Jonathan Isaac very, very closely. My biggest thought about Team USA here was that some of the lineups they were throwing out, they're going to have some difficulties with size. Um, their their best center is, you know, they were running lineups that had uh, Chris Middleton at the four, which I don't think is a good idea. Jonathan Isaac kind of proved that in, in this game. Um, they had, you know, they got Brooke Lopez, who's solid, but not someone that I would say is is a great center option. And and ultimately, you know, like Marvin Bagley, who did get called up to the national team, but has decided to to withdraw his name from consideration for the World Cup. Bagley dominated the inside. Jaron Jackson Jr. had some really nice moments, and while none of those guys could could, sc- could score consistently enough, uh, and really th- this team didn't have great guard play with. You know, Derek White, who also got called up to the national team, had a really good week of practices by all accounts. 
But Derek White, Jalen Brunson, those guards aren't really going to scare anybody. And so that brings me to Jonathan Isaac, who I was really focused on and watching in this game. Jonathan Isaac, you know, I think in a lot of people's minds and, and, and kind of the, the, the fantasy that maybe we built up about where Jonathan Isaac's at and, and what his progress is or what he can do next year will be, thought that maybe he could be kind of that, that dominating on-the-ball perimeter player, that he'd be someone who could take guys off the dribble. And, you know, maybe Isaac can be that one day, and, and I think we'll get into some of that here in a bit, but he's not quite there yet. If you went into this game expecting Jonathan Isaac to sort of make that star turn, to to be this overwhelmingly different player, you're probably going to be disappointed. And and frankly, I would tell you that those expectations were probably a little unrealistic. Isaac did start, which maybe says something, maybe it doesn't. Derek White didn't start. He's on the national team heading to Los Angeles for next week's week's set of practices and and then, then, of course, a game before they head over to Australia. I believe they play Spain on Friday. But, I so Isaac did not blow anyone away. Did not dominate the game. Did not do anything that, you know, would make you say, huh, this guy is, you know, making a, you know, sort of Pascal Siakam style leap who is, who's going to be an all-star very, very, very soon. I don't think he did anything like that. He didn't, when I, I wouldn't say he blew me away. There was very early on, it honestly looked very much like Jonathan Isaac was very much the same as he was last year. Now, I'm not going to say that he was. I think he did make some, did show some interesting improvements, but again, nothing that would make you think that he's taken this humongous leap forward. Again, I don't think that's the end of the world either. And in many respects, this was a very typical kind of Jonathan Isaac game. One of his early shots, he airballed a three-pointer. We've seen that so many times. And, you know, you give Isaac a lot of credit. He's someone that kind of brushes that off a little bit. He's not, you know, he, he ha- that happens to him. He's still maybe not a natural shooter. But he still, he brushes that off quickly. And he, he kept at it, kept going at it. His really only highlight in the first half was a putback dunk. And really, it shouldn't have been even that. He should have finished the bas- finished the, the pass that Marvin Bagley gave him. And so that first half was very uneven for Isaac. The second half, though, Jonathan Isaac's second half was very different. And again, similar to how he's played with the Magic, he makes one good play. He makes starts stringing together some good plays, and all of a sudden he starts to look like a very different player with his mindset and the way that he attacks things. Things really started to pick up for him when he scored on Chris Middleton on a really, really nice move. I I will say this. It was a very, very nice move. He attacked, he he put a dribble move on Chris Middleton, attacked with his left hand, and hit a runner over Middleton with his left hand. It's a very, very nice move. Really impressive. It, It stood out to me. And that seemed to kind of open things up for Isaac. Now, he had his trademark defense throughout the night. His only real big defensive mistake was he he slipped guarding a Harrison Barnes backdoor cut and got beat. And he slipped a few times, which was a little strange because he was the only one kind of slipping kind of all over the place. 
but he had plenty of deflections. He had, I think, four steals in the game. He was active defensively, maybe not terrorizing guys at the rim, and I'm sure there was some instruction that if a guy's going up for a dunk, don't challenge him. Let's let's all stay healthy here. But, you know, he, he was in the right spots generally. I thought they, they, they zoned a little bit. He was doing good in the zone defense and, and was doing a lot, of, a lot of things really, really well. And again, was active with deflections and steals. No one's questioning Isaac's defense at this point. It's his offense that we're curious about. And so when this unlocked, when he, when he made that shot, when he started feeling a lot more confident offensively, things changed for Jonathan Isaac. There were two plays specifically that stood out to me, and neither of them ended in a field goal, but they were two very good plays nonetheless. There's a transition play where Isaac got the ball on the break. I think I even think he was bringing it up, and Joe Harris was trying to guard him, and Isaac did the right thing, attacked Harris off the dribble, got to the basket, and drew a foul. Didn't finish, but drew a foul. A few possessions later, maybe two or three possessions later, same scenario, fast break opportunity. Isaac's going down, got the ball in his hands. Kyle Kuzma is backing up, and Isaac takes it right at him, gets into his body, and draws a foul. It's not the fact that he made or missed those shots. He, he missed both of those shots, but got fouled, made all four free, four free throws. It's the aggressive mindset, the willingness to get physical, to get into their bodies. And to attack, to not settle, to not kind of blend in. Isaac's criticism from the draft process forward has been he hasn't really looked to assert himself. He hasn't really looked for his own offense. And, you know, to some extent, I would say, yes, it is good that he stays within himself, that he doesn't try to do too much. I think that's important. But there are opportunities and there are times where you have to go get your own. And finding that balance is tricky. Aaron Gordon has been trying to find that balance for the last two years. But it is something you have to do if you want to be kind of an upper echelon player. And and I think, you know, I think Isaac can be that player. And so what I took away from this game, what I took away from Isaac's performance and where Isaac is at is it's still a very similar place to where he was at last year. Don't get me wrong. I think... I think his role will be expanded. I think the Magic will run some offense for him, more so than they did last year. But I don't expect him to be the team's leading scorer, to be the team's second option, to be the team's third option. He's still going to be someone who's kind of in the background a little bit until he demands a little bit more. And that'll, that demand will come through his play and through the way that he attacks. Isaac did make improvements. He does look noticeably stronger. And in fact, I thought that he did a really good job throughout this game. And again, this is all, all the information that I have to go on. I thought that he did a really good job trying to mix things up in the paint. He was willing to go after rebounds. And then really the only rebounds he flubbed were when other players and really his own teammates tried to get rebounds after. But I thought he did a very good job physically staying with every player that he was, with, that he was going up against, on offense and defense. His dribbling does look a little bit tighter. He was willing to put on a few dribble moves and try and score on his own. It did happen on occasion. And when that confidence came up, that's when things really turned for him. The thing with Jonathan Isaac, and I think, I think Evan Fournier has said this, if not, if not, I apologize. 
The thing with Jonathan Isaac is I, I, I still don't think he knows how good he can be. The kid has all the talent in the world. And I think, he, and I think it's not so much that he can be, he doesn't know how good he can be yet. I sometimes think when I'm watching him, he doesn't know or realize how good he is already. Think of, think of that. Jonathan Isaac, I don't think, understands how good he is already. And so I think the big difference, the big thing for Jonathan Isaac, no matter where he's playing or what his role is, is he has to have confidence. He has to have a confidence and a belief in the things that he's doing, in the way that he's attacking, in what he can bring to the team. And that's still the part that goes up and down. The first half of the game, Isaac seemed like he was content to blend in, wasn't really pushing the issue. And frankly, on this team, he was probably, in that starting lineup, probably the best perimeter option that the, mat, that, 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 that the select team had. Maybe that's not saying much, and I would probably say, yeah, that, that isn't saying much, especially going up against some of the team players on Team USA, and that's why Team USA won the game so easily. But he proved throughout the course of the game, as the game went on, as he started to try and assert himself more and found some success, he started to prove just how good he could be. Now, granted, all the pieces of the puzzle aren't there yet. Isaac for the game, his final stat line, 11 points, which when he checked out of the game was the high on the team. It's hard to believe that. 11 points, 5 rebounds, and I believe 4 steals. But Isaac only shot 3 of 10 from the floor. So he got a lot of free throws. He hit 1-3, a a kind of trailing 3-pointer in transition, which was a good way to finish the game. That was his third make. I mentioned the other two already. But he missed a lot of shots. And at this point in the summer, you know, I don't mind him missing shots. I thought that he... I thought that he tried to play within the team a lot, especially in the first half. His second half was a lot better. I think he he ratcheted things up a little bit. I think, you know, he started getting, getting buckets in transition, which helped him out a lot. And that's really, I think, what we can learn from this and what's going to matter most to the Magic next year. Jonathan Isaac is, has to have confidence. Whether the team has to put that in him or he has to find it himself, he is his only good, he's only going to be as good as he is confident enough to be. That may not mean he's a star yet. That may mean he flashes some star potential this year. and It may mean that he is kind of what he is. I think we have to recognize still what a blank slate Isaac, it, Isaac remains. He's still very, very young. But whether he can be successful or not is still about how he attacks and his mindset. And I think that's what came out in this game. That's, that's, that was my big takeaway from watching Isaac 
in this exhibition game for whatever it's worth. There's still a month to go, a month plus to go before training camp starts. So this is a pretty good idea, a pretty good picture of what Isaac's going to be this year. It's probably going to be very similar to last year. A little bit better, some improved skills for sure, but probably somewhat the same. And that's okay if it delivers the magic back to the playoffs. The question will be, and and this might be a question that has to get answered, the question will be, what happens when the Magic have to ask more of him? When an injury happens that puts Isaac more into the front, that gives him more opportunity, how is he going to play when that opportunity comes? And I think that's the big question because it's not, an, it's not a position he has ever been put in until this game. I could still see him feeling it out and trying to figure out who he is as a player. And that's really, I think, one of the big things about these FIBA games, these FIBA uh, opportunities that we'll talk about here in just a moment. But before we do, the NFL season is getting into full swing with the first week of preseason games and the new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week was one of the most listened to it was one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked on NFL now on your favorite podcast provider and get caught up as the NFL season comes closer. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Meanwhile, in other FIBA action, we've talked plenty about France and and, and the importance of Evan Fournier. You can go back into the archives of Locked On Magic on Friday to listen to my thoughts on Evan Fournier and his performance so far for Team France. Uh, Montenegro will start up their prep if they haven't already. I know that they have a date with France on August 15th. Evan versus Vooch is the hashtag there. Um, So we'll be interested to see how that game goes. We'll keep an eye on on the results of that game as well, um, just for the friendly fire and I'm sure the bragging rights that will come with it. Um, But in other places, Canada and Nigeria actually played against each other up in Canada on Wednesday and Friday uh, in two games that were very, very different um, for, for the teams. Canada is, you know, this is to many the golden generation for Canada. To many, this is the, this is the, the, the group that's supposed to bring Canada kind of to the forefront of the, nation, of the national stage. And, and I was one of the people that was kind of on board with Canada. The, the Vince Carter generation, if you will. All the kids that grew up watching Vince Carter are now playing on the national team, and Canada has had a major rebirth in basketball. 
Um, of course, some of the main players for Team Canada are not part of the team this year. Andrew Wiggins is sitting out. Jamal Murray suffered a minor injury. He's decided to sit out. Um, it's a little bit disappointing. Kelly Olynyk got hurt in, in Friday and Wednesday's game against Nigeria. So, you know, Canada isn't quite the juggernaut they want to be yet, or they could be at some point. And juggernaut's maybe a relative term. But this is still an interesting candidate team. They've got Corey Joseph, and of course, they've got Ken Birch. Ken Birch had a really strong game in Wednesday's game against Nigeria, scoring 14 points and I believe grabbing six or seven rebounds. It was a game that by all, he was the leading scorer on the team, but by all accounts, it was a game that was very similar to the way that the Magic played. Uh, in, in that, you know, he defended, he blocked shots, he, he defended the paint, he rolled hard to the rim, he ran in transition and got easy baskets. No one's running offense for Cam Birch. You know, not, not at this point, at least. And that's sort of what you expect. Um, Cam Birch is a guy that uh, has thrived in FIBA play, playing internationally. Uh, and... and you know, I think this is sort of what we expect from him. This is sort of the, the kind of game that we expect. And if he plays this way, if he plays at this high level and, and plays defensively really well in these games for Canada, and Canada should be a team that advances to the knockout round. With Ken Birch as the starter, that's going to be a huge confidence boost for him moving forward. It's going to be a huge confidence boost for him heading into camp where, yes, he is going to be battling Mo Bamba for, for minutes and for those backup center minutes. At this point, though, we know that Ken Birch is extremely reliable. We know that he is a solid defender. We know that he is a, a guy that plays within himself offensively, rolls hard to the rim, runs the floor hard, just does all those nitty-gritty little, little things that winning teams have to do. He may not be the top-end talent that, like, a Mobamba is, but he is an extremely strong player and someone, obviously, the Magic wanted to bring back. They weren't going to let him go. And, and, and even though they have a little bit of a logjam at center, and one of those three centers, and it's not going to be Nikola Vucevic, is going to have to sit out. Ken Birch is someone they wanted on the team. And so no matter how Ken Birch plays, I mean, I don't think it'll affect his role. He's still going to have to fight for everything. But this is a potentially, you know, potentially confidence-boosting moment for him. On the other side for Nigeria, Al Farouk Aminu is another player that, that we really know exactly what he's going to do and exactly what he's going to be. But if you look at these box scores for Nigeria, you're going to find a player that maybe isn't previewing what he'll do for the Orlando Magic. You know, I talked about this with Evan Fournier and why I think this is a really important World Cup for Evan Fournier. I think it's a really important World Cup for Evan Fournier because he could he's going to be playing a very similar role, maybe a little bit expanded, but a very similar role to what he'll do with the Orlando Magic. And so if he can show that he's still got the playmaking or he's improved the playmaking, if he's gotten his three-point shooting on track, that bodes well for the Magic in the season, that they will get an improved and better Evan Fournier. Nikola Vucevic is going to be the starring player for Montenegro. In other iterations of, of the World Cup and, and, and his national team service, Vucevic has played sort of second fiddle to a guard, whoever it is. I forget, I forget who they've had. They've had they had an American as, as their point guard for a while. And there's 
some disagreement between Vucevic and the coach. I think this year, and, and they haven't played a game yet, but this year I would imagine Vucevic will be the central focus of that offense. And that they'll use him, if not similarly to how he's used in Orlando, very close. And like I said, Ken Birch, he's going to play his way. They're not going to run plays for him. They're not going to do anything out of the ordinary. Ken Birch will get his and play very similar to the way that he plays in Orlando. And so we'll be able to glean some things from these players based on their stat lines about what that'll mean for the Magic. Al Farouk is not that case. Al Farouk has had a very nice run with Team Nigeria. He's played in some big tournaments. He's won AfroBasket with them in his last sit in 2015. But the one thing that stands out to me about Al Farouk is that he is asked to score a lot more. Nigeria is still a relatively young basketball program, and Alfred Kaminu is part of this of, of kind of a foundational generation that got that team into international competitions and won some international competitions. And with a whole bunch of young players kind of coming up through the pipeline, including Josh Akogi, who will be on this year's team, and, and Ben Uzo, who's a little bit more of a veteran, but uh, had some had a cup of coffee in the NBA. And yeah, even Chuma Okiki. Chuma Okiki was actually listed on Nigeria's preliminary roster. He's obviously not going to play in this tournament. He's actually at the rookie transition program this weekend, wearing a Magic jersey. So he might have signed. Who knows? Alfred Kaminu is going to be asked to score more than he ever will be with the Magic. In fact, you go look at his usage rate with the Portland Trailblazers last year when he averaged seven or eight points per game. It was below 15%. Aminu's role in the NBA is to defend, to keep the ball moving, to make an open three if it comes to him, and to just be a glue guy. He's a grinder. He is not a scorer. But Nigeria needs scoring. And they're going to turn to Al Farouk Aminu to get some of it. Maybe not a whole lot of it. They're still kind of a, a laissez-faire team. But they're going to turn to Al Farouk Aminu to get some scoring. In Wednesday's game against Canada, he scored 7 points on 2 for 11 shooting. Not a good number. On Friday in the return match that Nigeria won, he scored just 2 points on 1 for 6 shooting. That part isn't concerning to me. Because the quality of his shots without a, a strong, you know, kind of talent base around him, and the fact that he is going to be getting and probably trying to create some of these shots is not what he's going to be in the NBA. It's not going to be what he is for the Magic. And at this point, we know what he is in the NBA. And it's not this. He's not going to take 11 shots in the game. What concerns me about Aminu at this point, where the turn, high turnover numbers, which again, might be based off of his high usage and how he's being used. He had seven turnovers in that first game against Canada and just and four in the second game. To me, these are the stats that do not matter. But I like to see Aminu bring those that turnover number down absolutely. And and I th- again, I think these are early exhibition games. So take them all with a grain of salt, just like you would early preseason games. Turnovers are normal. Canada lost to Nigeria. They, uh, France lost to, to Turkey. And 
all the French players said, you know, we just weren't in the right spots. We weren't defending the three-point line well. We just made a lot of mistakes. It happens. Now's the time to make them as you're building your team. France torched Tunisia in the second game that they played. But more than any player, when we get to the World Cup, at least in the Magic's orbit, Aminu is going to play a role that he is not going to play for the Orlando Magic. And so if you're going to just read box scores to figure out how he did, focus on rebounds, focus a little bit on the three-point shooting. I do think that matters. Focus some on the turnovers, although try and get some context for those turnovers. And focus sort of on how Nigeria plays as a unit, as a whole. Nigeria beat Canada up pretty badly in that second game. In the first game, it was a, it was a contest that came down to the final minutes before Canada pulled away, and, and Ken Birch had a lot to do with that, and Aminu's turnovers had a lot to do with that. Those are the things that will ultimately matter for Aminu because ultimately, Aminu's worth is judged by his team and what he provides to the team kind of intangible, intangibly, except in that final result. And so... It's hard to say much about how Aminu is playing looking at a box score because Team Nigeria Aminu isn't Orlando Magic Aminu, isn't Portland Trailblazers Aminu. That's not how the Magic are going to use him. And so that's the only word of warning that I can give about about the World Cup when it comes to Al Aminu. I think he will do good things. I think he'll be fine for the team. But this tournament might have him look a little spotty. He'll score a little bit. He'll get his he'll get some numbers. But it might look like Jonathan Isaac's numbers in that select team game. For the select team. It might look a little bit like that. Inefficient, kind of raw production because someone had to score. And that just might be the reality of Aminu's run with Nigeria this summer. So don't read too much into it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr_md. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play app, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Again, you can find me on Twitter at philiprr_omd, And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. We'll talk about the Orlando Magic schedule tomorrow as the schedule gets released Monday at 3 p.m. We'll talk about uh, the, slights, the slights that the Magic aren't on national TV enough, when the tough stretches in the schedule might be, uh, when key opponents come in, and, and kind of what it all means. We'll talk about all that on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Lockdown Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Lockdown Magic. You are Lockdown Magic, 
your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 